Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Well, good morning. Good morning. It is great to have you guys here today. Hope you're having a great weekend. How many of you guys are like big time excited about Life Groups launching this weekend? Yes. Man, this is an exciting, exciting day, and we are looking forward to this new semester. And so, as Pastor Matt uh, said just a few moments ago, we've just got a lot, a lot of new groups, a lot of new things. And I just want to encourage you um, to make the effort to get online, to search, to look and see. Uh, there, there are just some great, great groups for you to connect and to do life with a lot of people. I want to get right into my teaching today. I've got a lot to share, and um, if you've got your Bibles today, grab them, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and um, we'll read that in just a few moments. Um, I, I want to talk to you for just a few moments about what I believe is one of the most powerful things that can change your life. And I want you to stop and, and really think about your life and how much God wants you to grow and God wants you to flourish and God wants your life to change. And you start to think about your life, and I know all of us walked in at different stages, different phases in life, but I think at the core of our heart and of our life, we want for our life to get better, for, us, for our life to grow and for us to change. And one of the things that God has done in the way that God has, has created all of us is that God has created us in such a way that the way that we grow, the way that we change our life, it's through our connection with people. And you've heard us talk about this a lot th throughout the years, if you've been around here for, for any time at all, that one of the things that... that that, that the way that we change is, first of all, we involve God in the process. And secondly, we have to involve people in the process. And that is hard. The, the first part is pretty easy to just to say, God, I want you to change my life. But then when you start to think about, I've got to involve people in my life. Most of us, that's where we stop. And so we're going to talk about that for just a few moments. You know, when you think about the church and what the church is supposed to be, Really, how do you define a church? I know we can define churches by buildings and, and uh, by a service. And you're like, man, I go to that church because I love the worship or I love this or that. But do you know that really a building doesn't make a church? A service does not make a church. Even though I love to, to for, you know, I, I love our weekend Saturday night service or or 9, 30, 11. I love those times that we have together. But do you know that, that what makes a church a church, it's people. If you're not here, this is just an empty building. You are what makes the church. And what makes the church the church is people. And what, what makes us stronger and what makes us grow and and, and really flourish in our life is when we discover the power of connecting with other people and we start to do life with other people. Now that, like I said, is hard for a lot of us. And we don't really understand when, when the Bible speaks of in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend 
can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Because we're better together. Listen to We are better together. We're stronger together. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be empowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen to me. We are better together. We're stronger together. And when we can get to a place in the church as Christ followers where we understand that what makes us stronger is not that we went to church and we were in a little service and we experienced. And, and listen, there's power in worship. There's, a, there's power in receiving God's word. But what makes us really begin to flourish when you begin to see in Scripture is that the fact that you have to have people in your life to help you grow. Now, listen, I grew up in church, and I, I honestly can tell you that, that most of the time, I never really heard anybody talk about the power of people in our lives. It was mostly like, yes, fellowship's important, and in, in, in the church I grew up, fellowship was like this place you went to. You went to the fellowship hall. How many of y'all remember the fellowship hall? It's like where you went down there to eat a pimento cheese sandwich. Some good food. Some of y'all grew up in churches where, where like everybody, you know, it was hard to be fit because you had a lot of fellowship. And you were growing, but you weren't growing spiritually. You were growing in other ways because of the fellowship. But when you start to really understand what the Bible is talking about, how the power of us being spiritually connected with another believer where we come together and we start to do life together in a real way where there's this, this, this life that we have with other people that people know us fully. You know, there's power in the fact when you get to a place that you are like, you're fully known, you have people in your life that know you they know all of your stuff. They know all of your struggles, all your habits, everything that you go through, and they love you. It, it's like that's where the church starts to be strong. See, I believe the church becomes weak when we become attenders and we become individuals that show up and we don't understand the power. When we latch arm arms and we walk together arm in arm saying, you know what, with all of our struggles, all of our stuff, we are one, we are stronger together. See, there are, I believe that a lot of us don't understand this in the fact that the original intent, you know, sometimes... We forget really what the original intent of the church was. And the, the original design that God gave us for the church, you, you see this. One of my favorite scriptures, when you talk about what the church ought to look like, it's found in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. And I'm going to read it, and I normally don't read out of the message, but I, I want to read out of the message because I love the way it says this. It says, that day about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves. And y'all say committed themselves? Say it with me. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. 
everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's needs was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Nobody was sitting at home eating off a TV tray. Y'all remember TV trays? (laughs) Um, which, by the way, I love, don't y'all love to, like, eat on TV tray? My wife, once in a while, makes us sit at the table, and we got to, like, be adults, and I'm like, babe, I want to eat at the TV tray. <laughs> like, but, like, I thought it was funny, but anyways, y'all didn't think, so it's all right. I know it's at 9 o'clock, but it's 9.30 service. Every meal, a celebration, exuberant and joyful. As they praised God, people in general liked what they saw. Every day, their number grew as God added those who were saved. You see, one of the things that jumps out to me in this passage is that commitment is not a dirty word in the Bible. That they were committed, they were united, they were committed to each other. You know, we understand that, that we're stronger together on, on a football team when a team, you, you get a bunch of, of people on a team that don't, don't understand the power of, 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 of getting together and that we're stronger together and everybody wants to be the superstar, you're usually not going to have a winning team. But you get a football team, and I don't know that much about football. Um, I know we got a lot of experts here uh, on football, but you get, you get, a, you get a, a team And maybe they're not the most gifted and most talented, but they understand that they are together and they're going to work as a team and and they're going to fight together. Man, there's power in that. And I'm just, I I just, I know some of you are starting to kind of, okay, I know, I know what's up today, pastor. You're not going to trick us. Y'all are like, yeah, I know what he's up there. He's just up there trying to convince us to go to a life group. And then, all right, Pastor, go ahead and tell, talk to us a little bit so we can go home. And you're just kind of starting to put your hand up and your guard up because you're like, you know what, I don't know. And, and, and listen, I, I just open your heart to me today and listen to what I'm sharing. Because you need people. You know, some of the... The most powerful growth that has happened in my life is when I've had close, close friends that I've walked with, and I've shared some of my struggles, some of my things in my life that I've gone through in my life that that for years I never was able to get through it. I I tell you, one of the greatest examples, and I've shared this a lot here at the church, is my, my struggle for years as a pastor with anxiety and panic attacks. And for years, I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to share it. But you know what? When the moment came that I was able to start sharing it with my close friends and open up with my friends, it was when I began to really experience true healing in my life. Do you know that people will bring out the best in you? They'll bring out stuff inside you you don't even know you have. Like, for example, you know, this last Friday night, my wife and I went out to eat with some some friends of ours. And... We, were, we went out, and, and it was a great meal. We were having a great time, and we ordered dessert. How many of y'all are like dessert lovers here? Like, you don't, like, it's not a meal if you don't get to eat dessert. 
And we were celebrating a birthday, and, and like, we, we ordered three desserts, and, like, we were going to share. And, you know, it's hard to share dessert. <laughs> it was this big old honking piece of cake in the middle, and these, this, these bowls of chocolate gold. <laughs> like, it was so good, and we were with our friends, and we were, my wife and I were, I knew, I was looking at my wife, and I was like, my wife wants to eat that whole bowl by herself. We're not sharing this thing. We were like all trying to be real nice and scooping one little thing out. And every, <laughs> y'all know it can be torture like that because you're trying to be, I'm like, my wife's watching me and I'm like, babe, I'm just going to give me a bunch, you know? <laughs> She's like, be, you know, I, I, you, you know the code your spouse has to kind of give you the look. <laughs> like make sure everybody else gets some and all this stuff. So I get one little spoonful and I'm trying to act all good and. Everybody gets done, and there's almost one of the bowls looks like it hasn't even been touched. There's a big, still big piece of cake, and I wanted to tell them, my friends, I was like, y'all, if y'all aren't going to eat this, I'm just going to get nasty and eat this. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to get nasty with dessert. <laughs> yeah, I said nasty, okay. <laughs> like, it had my... Friends, our friends not been there. My, I'm telling you, my wife and I would have been licking the bowl. <laughs> like, it's a sin to leave the dessert. We walked away committing sin. <laughs> I'm telling you, this dessert was so good. But you know what? Our friends brought something out of us that we didn't think we had. They helped us make the good decision to not be little piglets. And you know what? You are, are going to have people in your life. If you're willing to be vulnerable and kind of break out of the little church clothes that you're wearing. and I know, man, listen, to, I, I, I'm telling you, I think this is one of the most dangerous things that has happened to the body of Christ. It's somewhere we've thought that coming to church is about all of us sitting here looking nice and acting perfect. And we're broken inside. And we need somebody to walk alongside of us to call out. Call out things inside of our life. But listen to me. It takes us being vulnerable. See, we develop real friends only when we're willing to be vulnerable when we're willing to open up and we're willing to start paying the price to say, man, I, I want to do life with this person and I, I'm going to begin to pay the price. But listen to me, this is, again, you, you see this, you go to the book of Je in Genesis, you see the original design that God had for man before man started to mess things up. And also in Acts, you see the original design that God had for the church is that we were supposed to do life together. We're supposed to take care of each other. We're supposed to, like, live together in, in, a, in a such a way that, man, you have close, close people in your life that are walking with you. And you start to look that, that the writings of Paul, go, go read sometime. A lot of times, like if, for instance, the book of Ephesians, this is Paul communicating to the, these Christians that there he's saying, listen, you need to get back to what the original design of the church in Acts chapter 2 is. And 
And you see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. And I love this. It says, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. Now listen, God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. Doesn't that sound like all people? This is what I love about Creekwood is that, listen, we are an incredibly diverse church, and I want it that way. That we are people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, all different kinds of struggles. We come together united behind one cause, and that is Jesus Christ working in our life. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quiet at home. See, the strength of the walls, it lies in the commitments of the stones, we are the stones. We, we are part of the church that God is building. And, and we, we are strong by our commitment to one another, to live together, to walk together, to do life together, where we're vulnerable, where we walk with people, other Christ followers, that they know our struggles, they know our stuff, and they're making us better. And I want to just take a few moments to talk to a group of people here today that I believe struggle with this big time, the fact of being spiritually connected with other people, and that is the men that are here. You know, most women don't struggle with connecting with other women. It's just naturally for you. But isn't it true that most guys, this is a struggle. Most men, um, listen, it, it, it's, it's tough being a man. It's tough being a father. It's tough being a husband. You've got tremendous pressure on you. Listen, I, I love, I think there's a lot of great things about being a man. Like, for instance, isn't it great? This is a, a great part of being a, a man is you never have to ask for directions. A five-day five trip requires one suitcase and one pair of shoes. Because you can go to the bathroom without a support group. That's awesome. That's a part of being a man. Because if someone, listen, this is what's incredible about being a man. If someone forgets to invite me to something, I can still be their friend. In fact, we're actually better friends. If it's something I didn't want to go to and you didn't invite me, you're my best friend. Because if another man, this is, this is another good thing about being a man. If another man shows up at a party wearing the same thing I'm wearing, we could actually become lifelong friends. <laughs> Listen, if you're a man, you know you, this is an awesome part about being a man. Your world doesn't come crashing down if your friends don't notice your haircut. <laughs> it's awesome being a man, but there, there are a lot of pressures and, and men, our culture has created this toxic 
environment for men where we have to be strong, we have to lead. And, and man, the last thing you can do is be vulnerable and, and, and show your brokenness. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I believe that our culture is full of broken men, full of all kinds of, of, of issues and addictions and struggles. There's pain that's so deep. And we built this strong wall around us, but in, on the inside, on the outside we look strong, but on the inside, we're falling apart. And I think that there are a lot of men here today and in men in our culture that are living unprotected lives. You don't have accountability. You don't have anybody speaking into your life. You don't have anybody encouraging you. You don't have anybody speaking into your life. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of great stories that, of, of life change that have happened through our life groups and through men just like you getting connected with other men. And I, I wanted today, I know this is a little bit different, but I, I wanted today to have Robbie Galley come, and, and I, I'm going to ask him to come up here on the stage, and he's going to share for just a few moments the power of him getting connected with, an, with other guys and what it's done in his life. So let's give it up for Robbie Galley today. Hello, testing. Testing? Okay. Thank you, Stephen. Um, I'm Robbie Galley. Uh, my wife, Amanda, and Austin are over there supporting me. I'm a little bit nervous this morning. I, I also struggle with anxiety as well. I've never spoken in a, to a group of this large of people. Um, me and my wife, I'm going to share a little bit about my story. Uh, me and my wife have been married 12 years this week, this Thursday. And... Uh, I've got a wonderful son who's 10 years old. He's in orange. You can't miss him. But he wanted me to let you all know he still likes the Cowboys, too. <laughs> so my story uh, is, is, you know, probably a lot of people in here struggle with the same thing that we did. So the 12 years of marriage that we've shared have not always been perfect. We've had our struggles. Um, about eight years ago, our marriage was, it was not in a very good place. Um, we, we were... You know, honestly, if I'm honest, we were probably uh, possibly on the verge of divorce. Uh, it was a real, real tough time in our life. And I had struggles in different areas uh, with, with uh, some different things. And, and uh, our communication had just completely broken down. And through talking to my, my dad, he kept mentioning that uh, my grandmother, my 90-year-old grandmother, wanted me to, to, to join her church, to come to church with her. And I always just kind of blew him off and said, you know, what kind of church could my grandmother be going to, you know? They probably run up and down the aisles, and snakes probably come out of the stage. And um, So we just started. I thought, well, maybe that's what I'm missing. Maybe our marriage is missing. Uh, that, that's the piece that we're missing. So we started, you know, I thought as a man, I'll take my family to church. So we went church shopping. We started kicking the tires at different churches around the Metroplex. We never got connected. Uh my wife and I never could find one that we both liked together. So my dad continued to ask me, you know, hey, why don't you go check out Grandma's church? So I did. We did. And we've been coming here ever since. My grandmother was 90 years old. She passed away a year ago this week. And uh, my grandmother's church changed my life. And it wasn't the walls of this church. It, 
It was the people of this church. Me and one of my good friends, John, joined a life group. We didn't know what to expect. We sat through a message similar to today, and we, we took a, a, a leap together, and we joined a group. We walked into that group. We didn't know anyone. There was about 12 to 15 guys. They were doing a study on it called I Marriage by Andy Stanley. I encourage you guys uh, to check it out. You can go on YouTube. And through that study and, and through meeting the, the, these men and, and, and doing that study together, it really changed me. And then after that study, we, we watched the movie Courageous together. And then through that, we went through the, the resolution ceremony. Pastor Keith was there, and all of us that went through this study together, we all went there together, and we all did it together. Through that time, I met my best friend and my mentor, Chris Novinger, and I learned so much from him. And he called out so many things in me, and he completely changed my life. And the, the funniest thing about Chris is he will be honest with me. And he told me that the reason my marriage was failing was 99.9% me. And he was right. And through that honesty and him calling out the best in me, my marriage is, is in a very good place. And I'm so thankful for that. But it wouldn't be if it wasn't for that connection that I made in the life group. And doing this resolution where I promised in front of all my brothers that we went through together and signed this oath that I would be the man that God had called me to be, that I'd be the husband that God called me to be, that I'd be the father that God had called me to be. And I am just so grateful for, the, for this church and the people that I've met and the relationships that I've met and built. And I can't thank them enough for all that it's done for me and my family. Thank you guys for letting me share this morning. Man, thank you, Robbie. What a powerful story, amen? Amen. You know, the average American man has zero intimate, authentic friends. And I, I want to ask you this today, and... Um, you don't have to raise your hand. I, I'm sure most men in here have had conversations with friends about uh, sports. You've probably had conversations of, of whether or not you fertilized your yard. Um, about the hurricane, about what's going on in Houston. Um, conversations about a lot of stuff. And, my question, though, to you would be is, is in the last seven days, have you had a conversation with a friend about something that's going on in your life, or about a struggle, about something that really you know is what's keeping you from flourishing and becoming the man that you, you know you need to be? You know, isolated and I, I, I want to encourage you, if you were not here last week and Pastor Brad spoke, and it was an incredible, incredible message. I listened to it on, online again, and it's uh, just an incredible message about the, the dangers of being isolated. And, and um, you know, when you're isolated, it, it's, it's dangerous. And one of the reasons why it's so, so dangerous is that you, and if you want to write this down very quickly today, is that you, um, it's not how you were designed. 
You were not designed by God to live your life in isolation. And this is the, the tricky part is, is I, and again, I think social media and all this stuff and the friends and, and how we, we live our lives, it's, it's very easy to go, I'm not isolated. But listen, if nobody knows what you're really going through and you don't have some close friends of people that really know your struggles and really know that the, the real you, you're isolated. You're isolated. And you were not designed to live like this. God created you in such a way, and you see this in Genesis chapter 2, where, where, where God says, it is not good for man to be alone. This is not just a marriage scripture. This is, this is a, a scripture that tells us that all of us, men and women, it is not good for us to live spiritually disconnected lives. Psalms 133.1 says how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Why is it good and pleasant? It's because that's the way we were designed. We were designed to live life together, to be connected. This is why I think a lot of us, this is the, the story of our life as we take two steps forward and three steps back. We, we are, are, are never really able to overcome our struggles. And I think one of the greatest deceptions that the enemy has brought into a lot of our lives as Christ followers and has done a really good job at deceiving us is that we believe that all you need is, 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 man, I just need God and I need my Bible and I don't need people. But Jesus, the command that he gave us, that he said, I want you to love God and I want you to love people, that the, the two most important things in your life is that your connection to God and your connection to other people, that's the power of you doing life together. Now, listen to me. It takes work. It, it does. It, it is an investment. You talk about investments and, and what, what you want to invest your life in. It is an investment of your time and of your effort and of your energy to make close friends. Most of us are like, okay, y'all told me to get in a life group. I went to a life group. I went there. I didn't like it because I didn't get a best friend out of this life group. You go one time, and, and it, listen, that doesn't work like that. You got to pay the price. You got to show up. You got to start doing life. You got to start connecting. You got to go. Man, I, I'm committed to this. It, it takes an investment. You were designed like this. It, the other reason, listen, it's not how Jesus did life. You start to look at the life of Christ and you follow his life. You see this over and over. It's the way Jesus did his life. He connected with his father. And then he went out and he connected with other people. He connected. You know what I love also about Jesus is that he didn't just go connect with the religious leaders. He connected with people that really he was criticized over. You, you look in the scriptures in Luke chapter 15 where it talks about that, that the Pharisees and the teachers were upset that he's having, that, that he welcomes sinners and eats with them. The, the word welcome in the original Greek language, it's not a word that signifies or represents that he stood at the door and welcomed them. 
This original word is, is a, a welcome, is beyond just a greeting. It's he connected with them at a heart level. This is the way you see Jesus continually doing, doing life and, 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 and connecting in such a way with, with people of all different walks of life. Why did Jesus do this? It's that he was trying to model to us as Christ followers how we should do our life. I, I, again, I know that a lot of us, what we start to believe is, man, I don't need anybody. And I would tell you this is that you have blind spots. You have places in your life that you can't see. You know, this happened to me this last week. I was at a, 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 an event here at the city, at, and man, it's over 300 leaders were there, and people from all different walks of life, a judge, a, a lot of judges, the mayor, all these different people were there, really important people. And I, I was there with Pastor Brad Keith and several of our pastors. We were there, and just an incredible time. I was going around, and I was like, man, I'm doing a really good job, you, you know, connecting and talking. It's, it's not easy for me. I know some of y'all think that, well, Pastor Stevens up in front of people. He must be like, he goes and talks to everybody. I'm naturally more of an introvert. My wife is the one that's really outgoing. I, it's, it's harder for me to go connect. To, and I was like making an effort, and I'm going around, and Pastor Brad comes up to me, and he says, hey, man, I don't know what you got going on in the back of your head, but you need to go to the bathroom and look at your hair. <laughs> I had a tornado whirlwind going on back here. Y'all, how many of y'all have problems with your hee-hee? Y'all don't know what a hee-hee is? Y'all remember alfalfa? My hair was like, bam, in the back. Like, it looked like I was with bedhead. And, and you know, had I not had a friend tell me that, I would have been going around thinking I was cool. <laughs> the bad part is he told me at the end. <laughs> but, you know, you have blind spots. You need people. You need people to speak into your life. You've you got to do this. And I, I'm... Listen, I don't know any other way but just to, to tell you over and over, you got to pay the price. Please don't make life groups a, a, a thing that it's a program at our church. that we're, It's not a program. It's the way we do life. It's the way we connect, the way we get healthy. It, it, is, it is what we do here. See, I, I believe that one of the most powerful things that starts to happen in life groups is you start to see the ministry of what I call the Me Too ministry. And the Me Too ministry, this is all it is, is that you know what happens in a life group? After a while, you start to get to know each other, and man, you start to get really close friends, and you start to kind of just do life together. And, and every once in a while, somebody will say, you know what, man, you know, man, will y'all pray for me? I'm really struggling in this area. And they've been wanting to share that for a long time, but they open up about a deep, deep struggle in their life. They open up about a struggle in their marriage or whatever, and somebody else listens to their struggle and listens to what they're talking about, and they're like, man, I'm so glad you shared that because me too. Man, I'm so glad you shared about your struggle because me too. I, I struggle with that. I do too. Do you know that, that when, when the ministry of me too happens in your life, I believe that that is when the chains are be, begin to be broken. 
where the chains of isolation that the enemy has a stranglehold in your life that so many of us believe we're the only people that struggle with what we struggle with. And you start to realize there are a lot of people, there are a lot of men, a lot of women that are going through the exact same thing you're going through. And when the ministry of Me Too starts to happen, I believe that it's when the, the chains that the enemy brings in our life of bondage starts to be broken. I, I want us to pray today, and I, I want to ask you just to bow your heads for just a few moments. And You know, for a lot of us, it's, it's, it's going to be very easy to just walk out of here and forget about the power of a life group. But I I just, I want to leave this with you today. What if this is the one thing that has been missing in your life all along? It's the reason why you have not been able to move forward. What if you were to take a risk and say, you know, I'm going to say no to a lot of things so I can say yes to getting connected in a group. I'm going to say no to some things in my life. I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to commit myself to invest my life to building strong, powerful relationships in my life. Father, I pray today for those that are here today that don't know you, that have never accepted you into their life. I pray that they would know how much you love them. And as they sit here today, those that have never accepted you, I pray that they would realize how much you care and God, right there at their seat, that they can make that decision, that they can ask you to come into their life, to forgive you, them of their sins, to make you the Lord of their life. Father, I pray that your presence would be so incredibly powerful in their life, that they would receive the healing, the restoration that they need. And Father, as we launch into this new semester, this fall semester of life groups, I'm believing God that Stories like Robbie Galley's story, God, are going to be so abundant, Lord, of life change. We thank you for this, God, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.